The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. Use promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off of everything in the SGPN Merch Store. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Thursday, April 20th, currently 11.01 on the East Coast. Here to recap what we saw in the association last night for the playoff games and, of course, handicap the three games on the schedule here tonight for Thursday night for the NBA playoffs. But joining me here to help me break it down, you guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast, and, of course, the NBA Gambling Podcast. It's Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Eh, nothing much. Doing pretty well. Unfortunately, did lose the lock and dog plays yesterday. Had the Denver alternative spread. That didn't get there, but if you took the regular line, you ended up winning. And I leaned to the under in that game, which looked good early on, and then the game exploded as Jamal Murray and Anthony Edwards both could not miss in the same game. And it kind of seemed like a flashback to the Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, series. It kind of felt that way, but ended up losing those. However, for the actual leans or the picks on the side, I got every game right. I thought the Bucks would win comfortably. I thought the Grizzlies would win, and I liked Denver to cover, which barely got there. But yeah. the totals, not so much. Went one and two on those, so a decent day, all things considered. But for the most part, I wasn't totally shocked that the teams that were down one nothing at home responded. They've done very yeah. well historically in game twos, and we saw uh, Denver eventually break it open but at the end of the day it seemed like in the third quarter they kind of thought the game was over and they stopped trying and they woke up again in the fourth nothing really surprised me besides the amount of points we saw in that milwaukee game anything else really surprised you no i think um the two teams that we've really discussed during the regular season that are more than capable without their superstar players got the job done last night in the Memphis Grizzlies and the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, right? We've talked about it a lot that the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant, I mean, I'm not going to say they're better without him, but they know how to play. They're, they're more unpredictable. Uh, I think we can say without the fact that it's a discussion. If they're yeah. better without jaw tells you that they're still very good, even when he doesn't play. Yeah. And I think we saw that last night. I mean, I think it was a, a Memphis Grizzlies type of game last night between the Lakers and the uh, uh, the Grizzlies last night. Like the Grizzlies, we knew that they were going to come out in that first quarter and, and, and punch the Lakers in the mouth, and they did. They won that first quarter by th- uh, 11 points. After that, it was a pretty even matchup. I know they led most of the way throughout the way, um, but um, yeah, nothing really surprised me in that game. Uh, give credit to, I mean, if you actually watch that game, I think that it was just the effort level was a night and day difference between what the Grizzlies did and the Lakers did. Like the Grizzlies were getting most of the 50-50 balls. They were mm-hmm. getting second chance points opportunities, creating the turnovers. Um, and it, looked like the Lakers were, it looked like the Lakers were content with just with getting one split. game in Memphis yeah. and they just decided, all right, we'll save some energy. But Davis was great defensively, had a bunch of blocks again. I think he had like five blocks in the first half or something crazy. But mm-hmm. LeBron was the only one who actually showed up offensively besides maybe Hachimura who had a bit of a run there. But AD was really non-existent, and he was very passive, which is something that we've seen all season long. It feels like with every great game that he has, he has about three or four games where it looks like he's just not interested in trying to score the basketball, which is a bit annoying. 
It wasn't the worst performance by a big man yesterday. We'll talk about that in a second. But the Lakers game didn't totally shock me. I thought Memphis had to make it ugly, and I thought that they had to try to out-physical the Lakers. Tillman did a great job. Tillman ended up having a 20-point double-double. He was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're looking at Tyus Jones, who, even though he might not impress you visually because he's not the most athletic guy, he's a hell of a floor general, and he's exactly what you look for for stability. And that's why I've been a big fan of his for several years. And his assist yeah. turnover ratio is always arguably the best in the league. It's always mm-hmm. top five assist turnover ratio. So that he was good. Dylan Brooks made me laugh uh, with the post uh, game interviews involving LeBron's age. I'll put it this way. I'll give him a pass because he did hit the dagger three pointer at the end. They would have won the game anyway, probably. But at least Dylan Brooks contributed kind of. Sure. So I'll yeah. give him, you know, a pass there. But I thought the uh, I thought the actual comments there were really funny, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Ty's Jones uh, eventually will be a starting point guard for uh, another team uh, very soon. Um, I think he could easily start on at least ten teams in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. I would definitely take him on the Rockets right now to be the starting point guard. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. it was this was one of the uglier games, obviously, and it was like we mentioned, like you can't. You, the Memphis Grizzlies weren't going to be able to get in a shootout with with the Lakers like it was in Game One. It, it had to be a Memphis Grizzlies like you like slow, ugly, grinded out type of game. That's exactly what it was last night. But nonetheless, they even up the series. One oh, they get the victory last night. One oh three ninety three. Um, anything else from this game uh, before we get over to the next one here? Uh, from this game, not really. I think it was just mostly Tillman. Now, you can make an argument yeah. about Ham's lineups and how they weren't exactly great, but to be honest, nobody showed up for the game. You can make an argument for lineups all you want, but when you really sure. only have two players that look engaged the entire time, you're not going to win many games against a desperate team that's still very good at home. So I didn't really have an issue with much about what, uh, regarding Ham. The lineups mm-hmm. weren't good, but I don't think it mattered. It just seemed like the Lakers were sleepwalking all the way through. It was a classic D'Angelo Russell game. I, I don't yeah. think I really have much more to add. I've been very low on Russell publicly for a while. I mm-hmm. watched him on the Nets. Don't get me wrong. He had a very good run that year. But he's a very high-volume shooter, and when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, he doesn't have an off switch. He's also not a very good defensive player, and there's a reason why he's jumped around place to place and why winning franchises like the Warriors ship them off. It's because they realize that he's not exactly resulting in winning basketball. And I mentioned that on Twitter with Russell because he had a very good run with Minnesota for a month or two. And I said straight up, like, but doesn't guard anybody. He's a net negative. And Minnesota Tim, uh, Timberwolves fans on Twitter, I know I was shocked they had fans too. They kind of came at me and said, Russell's been very good this year. What are you talking about? You're being a hater. And then Minnesota literally traded him for past prime Mike Conley two weeks later. It's because they realized he's not a winning basketball player. Yeah. And Randall can't really uh, – not Randall, sorry. Uh, Russell can't read the room. Randall used to be in that category. He's kind of improved, but still. Russell, I just am not a fan of his game. He's a fun player because he can score, but he's another example of, for my opinion, a social media basketball player who can score a bunch of points, who doesn't mm-hmm. give you any other value whatsoever, and when the yeah. shot's not falling, he's unplayable. Did you think Russell was playable yesterday? Because I don't think – I can't think of one good thing that he did in the entire game. Yeah, I think that he's, uh, for me, I think he's better suited coming off of the bench. Uh, I, I really think that Dennis Schroeder should be starting. He only played 16 minutes last night to Dennis Schroeder. I know he's been dealing with an injury. Or I don't know if that was what 
caused him to only play 16 minutes last night. But it was just a bad shooting night overall. I mean, everybody, especially from three-point line, I think that, yeah, they went 7 of 26 from three-point line. That's not not a surprise, though. This team can never shoot. Yeah. Yeah, LeBron was one of eight, one of five for uh, D'Lo. Austin Reeves, one of three, but he still got, you know, he still chipped in with 12 points, five rebounds, and four assists. But the three-point shots that were falling for the Lakers in game one didn't fall in game two. I think that was really the difference where I think if you kind of just looked at it from a team stats perspective that Memphis hit four more three-point shots, and I think they had they were plus eleven in points off of turnovers. I think that was really much the difference. But I think you you nailed it. I think the Lakers were content getting Game One in Memphis. Let's head back to LA, try to win you know the two home games, and, and see what happens at that point, or you know at least get one at home. Let's see if we can split, and then and we'll see what happens because the series right now may look like it may go to at least six, if not seven, games of uh, between the Lakers and the Grizzlies. But yeah. Well, I think they play again on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, or is it? Yeah, I think usually it's two days off when you alternate the travel. Uh, home game. Yeah, the travel. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, before we get into the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee game, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. The NBA and NHL playoffs are here. And what better way to get down on some player prop parlays than over at Underdog Fantasy? Besides daily NHL, NBA, and MLB games, they've also already got NFL best ball drafts with a guaranteed half a million in pro- Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com using promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, the second game last night, uh, not really a surprise to me either, but the Milwaukee Bucks uh, take care of business, <clears throat> excuse me, at home against the Miami Heat to even up the series. They get the victory 138 122. Giannis, uh, early in the morning was, or I think, sorry, the night before was listed as doubtful to play in this game. Then we saw a report that came out that he was upgraded to quote unquote questionable. And then I think maybe like 30, 40 minutes before the game, he got officially ruled out. But um, I, I just had a feeling that he wasn't going to play even when he did get upgraded. But because we know Milwaukee has been a good team, even without Giannis in the lineup. And I think they proved that last night where they just absolutely came out and blitzed uh, the Miami Heat in that first quarter and in that first half in particular. They won the first quarter 35-28. Uh, they were up. Uh, sorry, the second quarter they outscored the Miami Heat forty-six to twenty-seven. They were up eighty-one to fifty-five at half, and that was pretty much the story. Um, looking at it from the Milwaukee side, Drew Holiday had a fantastic game for the Milwaukee Bucks: twenty-four points, eleven assists. Brooke Lopez chipped in with twenty-five points. He had. Well, who, had who had a bad game? Felt like everybody on Milwaukee just played well. Um, nobody really had a bad. I was gonna game. say, like, I mean, they, everybody they hit twenty well. something three pointers. Like, no, yeah, they, they, everybody was great in the game yesterday. Twenty five of forty nine from three point yeah. land, fifty one percent. That's just incredible. Um, and they shot fifty three percent from the floor. On the flip side, I think is where more of the conversation here is, uh, Scott. Where we know Jimmy Butler is going to get his, but the fact that Jimmy Butler is only getting up twelve shots um, in that game last night. I know that he only played twenty eight minutes because it was a blowout, Scott. But this guy should be getting a lot more shots than twelve shots in the game. Yeah, definitely true, but as I feel like is well-known, but I'll state it publicly, which I've mentioned 
previously on, I think I mentioned it on Twitter in game one, which I thought was common knowledge, but I'll repeat it. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee without Giannis, like if you took Giannis out of the league, I think Milwaukee would still be a playoff team. In fact, I think Milwaukee would still be like a five or a six seed. I still think Milwaukee's a very yeah. good team when Giannis doesn't play. And you're looking at the main guys that are injured or that got injured in game one. You have Giannis and Hero. It's going to sound like it's a ridiculous take as Giannis is an MVP winner and Defensive Player of the Year award winner and, in our opinion, the number one player in the league. I think missing Hero is such a dagger to Miami that they can't overcome. And I I know that Hero, you know, is still a sixth man, and I, I get all that. You can argue that there are better players and Butler's the best player and he has to do more. But you're looking at Miami's weapons or lack thereof. What do they have? Because you mentioned that Butler didn't take many shots. Adebayo, we know, can be a bit streaky. But the point is, unless Adebayo and Butler go crazy, what scoring depth do the Heat actually have besides relying on Gabe Vincent? And even Duncan Robinson had a pretty good game yesterday, but he can't guard anybody. It feels like Hero is kind of the glue of that team because Mm -hmm. he gives you a ball handler. He gives you some other options when Butler doesn't have a great game. And Milwaukee proved that when Giannis doesn't play, they have a plethora of options. Miami doesn't have that. It's not a hot take to say that the team with the uh, number one overall record in the league has the much better depth from a 1-12 to perspective than Miami. I think Miami's screwed, whether whether Giannis plays or not. I just think Miami has not just doesn't have enough scoring depth. Lowry, besides the 33-point game to screw me over, which is kind of funny in hindsight, he's been a complete non-factor. But you're looking at the overall roster makeups. Miami is not built to overcome Hero's absence. I think Milwaukee's built to handle life without Giannis. I think that's throw the difference for me. Yeah, and I think there was a, there is a significant fall off after Tyler Hero uh, for the Miami Heat. Like it's it's a it's a lot of shooters that they do have, right? Gabe Vincent, Max Strus, Duncan Robinson, uh, Kevin Love's not he's past his prime. He's not going to get the minutes. Kyle Lowry has been inconsistent dealing with injuries and. And things like that. Victor Oladipo hasn't panned out, and he's he's still been dealing with injuries, whether it's been his elbow or the, whether it's been his knee. But um, for the Milwaukee Bucks, again, like you mentioned, that even without Giannis, I think this. I agree with you. They're still a playoff team for sure, um, and they got contributions from everybody last. So I think people that watch the NBA uh, during the regular season at least knew that this Milwaukee Bucks team with or without Giannis was going to respond last night. And they did it a big way. They just came out in that first quarter, punched the Miami heat in the mouth. And, and that was pretty much the story. So now the series heads back to uh, Miami. sorry, yeah, to Miami tied up under one. Um, and we'll see if Giannis does play at this point, Scott, do you, I mean, do you still put Giannis out there if he's still not feeling, I mean, we know that it's a playoff that if he can play in pain tolerance, he can manage. But do you risk putting him out there, even how good this Bucks team is, even without him? I don't have the injury news in front of me regarding the severity of it, but based on how well they played in game two, I do not think Giannis is going to play game three. If there's even a slimmer of doubt, he'll play game four if they lose game three. I think yeah. Milwaukee's going to take it game by game, and they know that there's really no point in rushing Giannis back because we just saw how good Milwaukee can play even when he doesn't when even when Giannis is not in the lineup. So I don't think that there's going to be any rush to bring Giannis back, especially against an eight seed in Miami. No offense to Miami, but in reality, they're going to need Giannis for future rounds. In fact, do they need him against the Knicks or the Cavs? That's a separate uh, discussion, which we can potentially get into uh, later. But yeah, maybe they could wait till the Eastern Conference Finals to bring Giannis back. But no, to, to try to not be disrespectful, I don't think they need him against Miami. 
Yeah. Especially just because with Hero's injury, I don't think Miami's really a threat to anybody. Bower can go for the occasional 40-point game. Adebayo, we know, can struggle a decent amount of the time in the playoffs. But I think Milwaukee's set to win the – I think they're going to win in five. I don't think Miami wins another game, which might sound like a hot take because, you know, they're going back to Miami and the crowd's going to be into it. Is the crowd actually into it in Miami? I thought people constantly criticize Miami's crowd for showing late to games. Yeah, they don't show up till like crowd was empty until halfway through the second quarter in that. Hawks yeah, it's like game. the second quarter where they show up. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, maybe Miami gets one more game, maybe, but I, I don't think they do. I think this could be a gentleman sweep for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks for sure. Um, I know that it's a crazy juice play, and we try to give out value plays here. Mm-hmm. I saw Milwaukee at one one is like minus four fifty to win the series. You're telling me they play this series five times. Miami's winning one of them. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, uh, even like the games, Milwaukee yeah. minus one and a half. Like I don't see this going seven. I think I think Milwaukee wins this series in five or six. What is the yeah? What is so minus four fifty is the updated number? That's what I series? saw for the actual money line on the series. Uh, I wanted to look for the spread, which I don't have in front of me, which I'm pulling up now. But I saw 450. I know after the game one loss, Milwaukee was around minus 230 to win mm-hmm. the series. That was the lowest that I saw. But with Hero being out, it kind of proved all of my assumptions that Miami just doesn't have the scoring depth to overcome his absence, and he's going to be out for the entire series. Giannis, once again, will be out for probably another game, if that. So. Once again, if he doesn't play, that's short term. Hero's going to be out for several months. So, yeah, I, I think Milwaukee minus one and a half would be my series play. Just to look, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, minus one twenty. Yeah, so I see five fifty now is a price mm-hmm. I saw on another book. It was four thirty. I, I can use sportsbook names, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I saw FanDuel was at five fifty. I saw Caesars this morning was at four thirty on Milwaukee. But you can get the uh, Bucks to win the series in six at plus two thirty. You can get them to win it in five at plus two thirty. If you want the actual handicap, though, Milwaukee minus one and a half games is where is this thing? I'm trying to find it. Well, minus one and a half is minus one twenty. I think that's a bargain. Do you yeah. really think Miami's winning two more games? No. I I, I would I lay that so. one twenty in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm trying to find it on a book that or books I use, but I only see two and a half at plus at plus two eleven. <laughs> Point is, if it's plus two eleven, then you know that it's around minus one twenty yeah, yeah. when it gets posted. But if yeah. you could bet that now and you have access to it, I would bet it because I don't yeah. think Miami's winning. I don't think they're going to win another game, but I don't think they're winning two games. Yeah, I currently see it on DraftKings at minus one and a half, minus one twenty. So again, definitely shop around, but it should be available at most books. But uh, like, what, what does Miami have as a counter? What what do they have? Like the roster is just not very good. I mean, they would just have to hope for a bad shooting night from the M- Milwaukee Bucks, but that's pretty much. I mean, it would take a. It, they would have to win a game like the Memphis Grizzlies won against the Lakers for them to win another game in this series. I just don't see that bad of a shooting night for a team that has significantly, significantly better shooters than the Lakers do. So, I'm there with you, man. I'm not going to argue that point. I think that even if they do win one more game, you're still getting a good bargain at the minus one and a half price. I think there's one recipe for Miami to win a couple games. They need Butler to basically average 37 points. That, yeah. I, that, that's really what you're looking at for Miami. They're kind of a one-trick pony team, but 
at the end of the day, you take the pre-series price and what was Milwaukee minus one and a half, probably like minus 500, minus 400, mm-hmm. yep. give or take. Yeah. I, I don't know how this is not a good value play when Giannis, at most, in my opinion, will miss one more game. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people uh, thought you, Milwaukee was going to sweep anyway. Yeah, you could get Milwaukee in five at plus 210. You can get them in six at three to one. I don't see. Yeah, I don't see a. Uh, I don't see a minus one and a half at least for the. Or at least, sorry, uh, minus one and a half in my books. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, DraftKings, uh, FanDuel's again, shop around. You'll 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 find that Milwaukee Bucks minus one and a half at minus one twenty. I currently see that on DraftKings right now. Uh, all right, Scott, before we get over to the last game of uh, the night from last night, uh, let me tell everyone about the SGPN Merch Store. We're brought to you by the SGPN Merch Store. In honor of the NBA playoffs, from now until the end of April, get 10% off of anything in the SGPN Merch Store when you use promo code SGPNBA. So head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and use promo code SGPNBA to get 10% off of everything. Uh, I know that... We just got the uh, Mike Leach tribute T-shirt. Definitely check that out. I think they posted that this morning or put a release on the store this morning. Looks really nice if you're a Mike Leach fan. And, of course, you are because you support the uh, Sports Gaming Podcast Network. Definitely get it out. You also get 10% off of all that T-shirt. So uh, head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and make sure to use that promo code SGPNBA for 10% off of your order. All right, Scott, last game of the night from last night. It was the Denver Nuggets taking a 2-0 lead over Minnesota. This game looked like it was going to be another blowout uh, at halftime. I believe the Timber, sorry, the uh, Denver Nuggets were up 14 points last night, 15 points uh, at halftime. But give credit to Minnesota. They came out in that third quarter. They outscored the Denver Nuggets 40-23. to They took the lead into the fourth quarter, but uh, Denver, like you mentioned, woke up in that fourth quarter. They outscored the Minnesota Timberwolves 35 to 24 to barely get the cover. I think this number closed at, I think, eight, seven and a half or eight. Uh, but Denver gets the victory. They take a 2 0 lead against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was uh, really reminiscent of Jamal Murray, uh, bubble Jamal Murray, I guess we can say. He scored 40 last night for the Denver Nuggets, six of 10 from three point land. Um, Nikola Jokic, a quiet 27 last night. He was one rebound and one assist short of a triple-double. Aaron Gordon also uh, chipped in with a double-double, 12 points, 10 rebounds. And it's really been a seven-man rotation here, Scott, for the Denver Nuggets. The two guys coming off of the bench for them has been Jeff Green and uh, Bruce Brown. But, I mean, not really much for me to take away. Anthony Edwards did look like the Anthony Edwards that we're used to. He scored There's 41. There's only one takeaway from the game. Uh, I mean, we yeah. can argue two with Bubble Murray, and if he plays at this level, if anybody could be Denver. But the main takeaway is Towns, right? I mean, we got to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. 3 of 12 last night. Yeah, 3 of 12 last night. 10, re- uh, 10 points, 12 rebounds. He's just been atrocious. I was thinking about this last night, that if we listed out the top five players in this series – is for based on performance to, in this series or based on reputation in their careers? Uh, I would just probably, this series. Cat is not top five. Yeah, I was gonna say that four of the five top players in this series are probably Denver Nuggets player. I think that fifth player, wherever you rank it, is Anthony Edwards. I think the other four players are probably the Denver Nuggets. No, you can argue Conley, who I think's been okay. Yeah, 
But but yeah, I mean, look, Carl Anthony Towns just hasn't been very good ever since the play-in tournament started. Where against the Timberwolves, or sorry, against the Pelicans, he had a good game: thirty points, eight rebounds. Um, he was no, good sorry, for two that, and a half quarters against the Lakers, if that counts. Yeah, that was the regular season, actually. So at least in the two playoffs games so far, Scott, he has a combined eight of twenty-seven. He's three of twelve from three-point land. All right, he's been in double-digit rebounds. He's committed a total of nine turnovers. He just there's no support for Anthony Edwards right now. I think that's the main takeaway. And I think that I think you had tweeted this out last time about Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't know. It sounds disrespectful, but I think I'm right. I mean, go ahead. I'll give you the floor. Go for it. So I was looking at this. First of all, I was just watching the fourth quarter, and I thought Mm -hmm. Towns just ruined the entire game for Minnesota because they went on the run. They made it close. And then Towns bricks a three-pointer. Then he tries some floater layup, which barely touches the rim. And Denver immediately went on another run, and they ended up opening the game up. So Cat really killed the momentum that Minnesota had in the early stages of the fourth quarter. Then he also missed a layup, and he complained to the ref about it. He also fouled a couple. He had a couple of dumb fouls there throughout the entire game. And I tweeted out that I think if I ha- if I thought to myself that I had a game on the line with my a game. With my life on the line, Michael Jordan Space Jam situation, I would not only avoid drafting Towns, I would convince my opponent to draft Carl Anthony Towns in a must-win game to help me out as a double agent. And I also mentioned that if I had to pick, I'd just list out a bunch of guys that I would want on my team in a must-win game. Towns would not be in my top 40. I don't think he'd be in most people's top 40. Now, of course, I got to go out and actually list everybody, but you get my point. Yeah. I don't know why anybody that's trying to win anything significant would want Towns on their team. And I'm not even mentioning the potential contract that he's going to be getting in the future and all the money he's going to make. Why would anybody trust him in a big game when he's never shown that he's ready to show up in a big game? I know he's dealt with a lot of stuff. Well, do you agree, the by the way, with the top 40 point? Because I would not pick him like in a list of 40 guys that I'd want in a must-win game. Yeah. I would say Once again, 30. it's difficult because you don't exactly have the list in front of you. Yeah. You get my I would point. say like 30 or 30. But if I need somebody to knock down free throws for me, he's got it. No problem. It's a movie. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, he, he's been – he Carol Anthony Towns hasn't been the same guy since pre-COVID. Like, we've seen him – We've seen the skill level that he has. I know he's dealt with a lot of stuff off the floor. I don't know, you know, if, if that has something to do with how the way he's performing. But right now, for the way that he's kind of come back, and again, he did miss 50 plus games during the regular season. And sometimes it takes players 10, 12 games to kind of get their feedback under them. But well, he was like this all, last year in the playoffs. Yeah, it's also the fact that that this this every day that we talk about this, I know we're like keep beating on the same drum, but this oh, it Rudy Gobert to. It trade, 10 points in a playoff game. But the Rudy Gobert trade is just looking like so like it's getting up there as like the worst trade. Like I know we talked about the Palgasol trade a while back. I think it's but, the worst trade in the last like 40 years, hands down at this point. Yeah. I mean it's just so bad. Like the spacing and everything. Like I was watching this game last night and it was I think it was the second quarter where like the sense of spacing for this team is just so bad. And Chris Finch has no clue. It seems like what he's doing with both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns on the floor. And I don't think that he has the balls to spend either one of those guys 
if the team is doing better without him. I think in that third quarter where Anthony Edwards kind of did really take over, if your team has a certain lineup that's doing pretty well and it's without Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, I think you you got to have the balls to bench those guys because you're in a playoffs. Like, you go down 2-0. Now you're pretty much done because there's no way you're beating. I mean, we didn't give the, the Minnesota Timberwolves a chance to win this. Just we thought it would be a sweep or a gentleman sweep. But, I mean, for Carl... Anthony Towns, I, I I don't know what's going on. If it's something between the ears or he's just, I don't know what it is. But for for him to be the second best player on this team, yeah, he hasn't performed up to up to what we're used to seeing pre-COVID from Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm going to give I Gobert mean, a pass for yesterday, though. He looked engaged. He scored, what, 19 points? I thought Gobert was fine. He had a foul yeah. situation. He took a technical late. He almost got ejected, which... You know, it was a classic Gobert move where he's just going to blow a gasket at the worst possible time. But when it comes down to just intensity, at least Gobert brought something. Cat yeah. looked like it was a regular season game. Gobert yeah. at least showed up. I'll give him a pass for that. But I can't excuse what Cat's effort was in that game. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Simply Dude, I don't but. know what his offensive game is either. What? Cat? For Cat, like, is it? I mean, what is it? What like, it should Kat- be or what it actually is? Because what it actually is is him just being a three-point shooter. Yeah, and there's some, and this goes back to the regular season. This goes in the playoffs as well. It's like anytime I see Cat get the ball, it's it's cringeworthy. Like he doesn't know what to do. Like it's like, okay, do I shoot the shot? Okay, if not there, he's gonna dribble, 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 try to get to the basket, and draw, try to draw a foul. If he doesn't get that foul, you see his reaction that he's like, oh, why didn't I get this call a foul called? I'm a star player in this league, quote unquote, and then. By the time he's down the floor, this the other team gets an easy bucket at the other end. So, I, again, again, we didn't give up much of a chance to this Wolves team at the beginning of the series. I think this will probably be a sweep, or maybe done in five games here, Scott. But I, I, I mean, I, I don't have much more to add about. If about Denver Crosby is Towns. fully engaged, and they definitely took the third quarter off, there's no way around it. Minnesota shot eighty percent, eighty in the quarter, yeah. and they scored forty plus points. Yeah. If Denver cares for an for an entire game. Minnesota has no chance of winning if Denver's fully focused because Denver is that, better yeah. than them. Their spacing is better. Game one. Yeah. Yeah. Like game we one. Saw it. What I mean, in game one. Yeah. Minnesota's a soft team. We saw it last yeah. year before Gobert got there. Nothing's changed. Yeah. I agree. Uh, all right. Anything else from last night? Um, Anthony Edwards, really, really good. Now, once again, I've called him out before for mostly a lack of consistency. I know what he's capable of. I just want to see it more because it feels like for every 40-point game, he has a game where he drops like 18. I just want to see it more, but we know how good Edwards is. I understand why so many people are high on him as being a future star in the league. I never said that his talent wasn't there. He's clearly a a phenomenal talent. I just want to know, maybe it's injury-based, can we see Edwards put up these type of numbers for several games in a series? Can we see him turn into Donovan Mitchell? in a bubble series. Like, you know what I mean? I feel yeah, like yeah. Edwards has the talent to do that, but it feels like a lot of these games, I know he's still very young, so mm. I'm aware of the context here, but I want to see him chain together a couple of these dominant performances back to back. And I haven't seen it yet. Once again, small sample size, but yeah. I hope to see it moving forward. I, I think that he is going to be that guy. I think it's a lot to do with the roster right now in Minnesota. Um, and it has lots to do with coaching. But like you mentioned, he's still young. 
But his I still think attitude that, and swagger is the opposite of everybody else on the team. Every that's why we like yeah. Edwards and why we hate the rest of the roster. Anthony Edwards has the potential to be a scoring title leader. Yeah, he I'll can. say that much. I agree. Yeah, that. I agree. I think that you know he's going to be he's going to be a, he already is a star player in this league, but I think he's going to be a superstar player in this league again. Like you mentioned, he's still very young, but it's, it's going to be very fun to watch him kind of flourish between uh, and grow. Um, you know, as he gets more and more NBA experience under, but he has an intensity, which is what people like. It's the fact that he's not afraid to say, I'm going against LeBron. I'm better than him. I'm going to show it. And he's not afraid to try to back it up, but at least he's willing to go out there and lay it on the line and recognize the gravity of the situation. It feels like Minnesota is just going through the motions. Yeah, I agree. Um, And also the fact that he came out and said during the regular season that I don't like taking nights off or I'm not going to take nights out. And again, I'm paraphrasing here where, you know, he's that, you know, people pay their hard, hard earned pay their hard earned money to come out and watch us play basketball. I'm going to do my best to be out there. And, and he's proven that unless he has a significant injury, he's going to be sitting out. But other than that, we'll see Carl, and, sorry, uh, Anthony Edwards out there for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Scott, let's dive into the games here for tonight's first game on the board. We have the Philadelphia 76ers. They come to your parts of the town looking to take a 3-0 lead over the Brooklyn Nets. Currently, the line is minus 4.5 in favor of the Philadelphia 76ers. Total set at 209.5. Teams down 2-0 or 0-2, however you want to say it, have done. The first first half. Yeah, let's let's get the first half. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. But again, that number, the books have caught up to it. I think over the last, those like 31, 32 games that it's right at like 15, 15, and I think a push or something like that. But do your Nets have a chance in this game or do we see a 3-0 lead for the Sixers? I see a 3 nothing lead. Uh, I said going into the playoffs that I thought the Nets would steal one. I thought that Philly would have a bad Harden game and I thought the Nets would come out focused and they'd be able to take one. I got exactly what I wanted in game two. Harden was terrible, the Nets were leading at the half, and they still lost by double digits. The talent disparity is just too large. There's really no way around it. The Nets can't score. I was very low going to the series on Dimwitty. I was very public about it. I gave out the under for his assists. I mentioned that I thought Dimwitty would be really, really bad in the series, and I thought that everything Kuzma said about Dimwitty was right in their beef. I'm not a Dimwitty guy. I know that he's a very intelligent guy off the court. He's had a lot of good sound bites about players' legacies, etc. But on the court, he's just delusional. He thinks he's better than he is. I don't think that he can really do much. He's talking about how he can be a three guy, like a Drew Holiday on a chip. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> like, Dinwiddie on a championship team would be a five or a six. I don't know what he's talking about. But Dinwiddie has pretty – I don't want to say single-handedly – tank the series for the Nets, but he's been more of a negative than a positive, and it's not even close. But I'm going with the Sixers. We've yet to see an Embiid a nuclear game, which can always happen. Yeah. Harden could always play like he did in game one, hit a couple of shots. Maxi woke up and had 30. I don't think the Nets have any scoring depth, and that's really the problem. Cam Johnson's been really good. Bridges has been good as well. And besides those two, who are you relying on? Because Dimwitty's proven he's unreliable. Claxton's got no talent offensively besides rim running and the occasional dunk. Curry can't guard anybody, but he's a good shooter. Harris, I think, is a bad player. I'm not afraid to say it. I don't think Joe Harris is a good basketball player. He was good pre-ACL injury, but post-ACL injury, he has not been the same guy. Cam Thomas never sees the floor because he can't guard anyone, but he should play anyway. 
They don't have any scoring depth. At the end of the day, if I told you the Nets win this game, that means they have to give up less than 100 points because there's no guarantee the Nets are going to score 100 points. I'm taking Philly. I just think Philly, they they proved in game two they can sleepwalk for a half and still bury this team when it matters in the second half. I like Philly here. This game might be close for a half. I think Philly blows it open again in the second half. I like Philly to win this game comfortably. Yeah, I really didn't have much for this game. I mean, I just thought it's it's, it's Philly. I think Philly's going to get this done in a sweep. Um, and we and you, like you mentioned, like Philly can win ugly. We saw that in game two where they only scored 90, uh, 96 points and they held the Brooklyn Nets to 84 points. And then they can go out and have a great shooting night and like they did in game one and blow out their opponent. Like they did where they won, like what was it, one twenty one to one hundred, one hundred one, something like that. that. Game once again, Embiid and Harden. Harden wasn't good for the first quarter and a half, and then he hit a couple threes. Yeah, Embiid really hasn't taken over a game yet. You could argue, well, the Nets are double teaming and they're not letting Embiid do it. Embiid can really get to his spot if he wants to, and he just hasn't needed to be that aggressive. I'll tell you one area where the Philly can just exploit any type of defensive game plan the Nets have. Let Embiid dribble the ball up the court. I'm not yeah. even joking. Occasionally, they did it in game two, and it was mm-hmm. a free dunk. You let Embiid get downhill, Claxton has a 0.0% chance of stopping him. Yeah. You really can get Embiid to go nuclear in a game. We haven't seen it yet. The Nets are going to get swept, in my opinion. After game one, I thought they were screwed. Total said that 209 and a half. Um, what I'd rather take that? the Nets team total under. Yeah. Well, that number would be at what right now? 100? Give no. or take. No, no, because it would be around like 102. It would be like 102. Yeah, 102 and a half, something like that. They haven't scored more than that. Well, I mean, they are they are back home. Typically, we see the role players do better at home traditionally, but the pace of this game, at least we've seen in the first two games, hasn't you know been a barn burner. Um, and defensively, the, the, Nets, have. the Nets should yeah. play faster. They got to yeah. try something to score. Yeah, and that might be the case tonight, but the Sixers defensively just have been really good. And I think you got to give a lot of credit there. So this number is kind of getting that territory where I may want to look at an over, but I, I don't know what I'm going to get. But I, so I'm completely staying away from the total here. But do you said Nets team total under anything else for as far as a total? Uh, for totals, uh, I don't really have much because I want to make a case for going with an under, but Philly could in a world score 120 points again. Like it wouldn't yeah. totally shock me. So I think it's mostly just nets unders. I, I, I think the argument that you can make is that maybe if you want to go for an over, the nets have to play faster. They have to try something. Maybe yeah. you can run and beat. I don't want to say off the floor, but you can make life difficult for him. We saw last year in the regular season game. Yes. I know Durant and Kyrie played, but there was that one game where the Nets won by like 30, if you remember it. And the argument was the Nets just played faster and they ran yeah. the Sixers off the floor. They have to try to play yeah. faster, but I'm not sure if they're going to realize that. Let's get over to player props. What do you do like? So I like Maxi over first things okay. first. I, I just think Maxi's going to kill this team. I don't think they have anyone who can guard them. And whether they double team and beat or whether they don't, I saw his point totals at around 19 and a half. I'm mm-hmm. all over the over. For, yep. for, for Maxi, uh, he just is a very bad matchup for the Nets. Harden, I'm confused about because it's a 19 and a half. I think I have to take the under because he's attempted zero free throws in this entire series. And if he's not getting to the line, 
then he needs to go insane from three. But he's been really, really bad at finishing layups in the series. He's got no burst. He has no lift. I got to go with the under for Harden because I think he's going to take a back seat and let Embiid and Maxi cook. And we saw in game two, Maxi can easily cook as the main or second main option in this offense. I like the under on Harden. You could argue for assists, but for points, I don't think Harden needs to score that many points. So I like Harden unders. Yeah, I like the Maxi angle. I like his three pointers here, two and a half. It is at minus 125, but definitely shop around. Um, game one, three of five, but last game, I think when they were doubling Embiid, uh, that he was getting the open looks, um, you know, Harden was finding him or if it was Tobias Harris, I was finding him as well, but he got up 13 attempts in game two, he knocked down six of those 13 attempts. So again, if we do see them doubling Embiid again, that again, that's going to open up opportunities for either Harden or Tyrese Maxey, I think more importantly, uh, for him to knock down those three point shots. So I was looking at that. I'm going to go back to Cam Johnson as well over on his three-point shots. Um, in the first two games against the Sixers in this round, he's been four of six and then five of 11 from three-point land. He scored 18 and 28 in the first two games. So that was what I was looking at as far as the net side. Um, any other player props or anything else for this game here, Scott? Well, you mentioned Johnson. I obviously like him. I like Claxton under. Yeah, uh, I, I was see looking Nick at that. I see Nick mentioning that Claxton's not getting enough flowers for the leap. I don't know if that's true because he was kind of in consideration for defensive player. Now, at the end, he didn't get, I don't believe, I believe any of the votes, and I don't even know if he was a finalist, but there was there was discussion there. I think people realize that Claxton's a really good defensive player. The yeah. problem is offensively, he doesn't have a single post move. Right. He occasionally shows off a little baby hook, but for the most part, it's hustle and dunking. That's it. And once again, you can still have a very nice career in the NBA doing that. But I'm talking about him offensively. He is a complete non-threat on the court. And we've seen it in the first couple games. Claxton is not a threat whatsoever besides occasionally catching a lob. And the problem is what we saw in game one, Dinwiddie can't throw lobs because half of them are going over the backboard. Claxton for me is an under because I don't think he can do anything offensively unless the Sixers forget about him in the post. Yeah, I mean, look, he's had. I think that what was it in the second half? They went uh, the they had a small lineup to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, where Claxton didn't play a lot. Yeah. I mean, the first two, it worked. Uh, he, yeah, it did. So last game, he only played twenty one minutes. He only had two field goal attempts, and he didn't make any of them. At least for the series in the first two games so far here for Claxton, two of six from the field combined. He's only had can you, five. Can you points. repeat his shooting numbers in game two again? How many shots did he take? Game two, played 21 minutes. He was 0 of 2 from the floor. He had zero points. He had six rebounds uh, and two, two shots. Yeah. What's his point total in this game? Uh, I haven't seen that. I think I it was eight and a half be... last night when I was looking for. I still like the under. I mean, once again, we also know he can't shoot free throws. He had a I little bit better at it. He's still not a good free throw shooter, but I got to like locks and unders. The Nets played better when he was on the bench last game because, as I said well, before, they need to play faster. Claxton is at eight and a half. I'm on the under. Yeah. Like, what, I mean, what is he supposed to do besides get a wide open lob? He doesn't yeah. have any post game, and Bede's going to punt half his shots that he does attempt for a post game. <laughs> the, the volume's not there for Claxton, it's just yeah, not there. Not. I like the under. Uh, Claxton 170 to one to be the leading scorer. How about that? No, I'm just kidding. Should be 300 to one. Yeah. Uh, all right. He attempted two shots last game. How was he supposed yeah. to be a leading scorer? And again, I think that if they do decide to go small again, he's like, he's just not getting the minutes either. Like he played 21 in game two and game 
one he had 30. But I'll ask you, though, what, what are the adjustments that Nets are going to try to make? They had some success, no matter how small of a time period it was, when they went smaller. And Claxton, who I, mean, I know is a good rim protector, mm. but when you're double-teaming Embiid and you're going to give up a bunch of three-pointers anyway, do you really need Claxton on the floor? No. I, mean, I, think that was a whole, I think that was the second half of the game, too, where Claxton wasn't on the floor. They were going to double-team uh, Embiid, and then obviously he would have passed it out to either Harden or Maxi, and then they would just you know swing the ball around and find that open shooter and knock down the three-point shot. I'm also going to mention this, just last point on Claxton. In those 21 minutes in game two where he scored zero points, he was a negative 14 Yeah, in 21 minutes. Yeah. I'm on the unders on Claxton. This is just not a series for him. Yep. All right, let's get over to the next game of the night here, Scott. We have the Sacramento Kings. They are headed to San Francisco with a 2-0 lead. Uh, currently, this line is minus six in favor of the Golden State Warriors. Total is sitting at 240. Um, going back to the regular season here, Scott. All right, let me start with this. No Draymond Green. We know that. He got suspended. Uh, but for the Warriors, we talked about this all season long, that they were just a better defensive team at home. We knew that they were shit on the road, uh, and they are now back at home where I expect the defense to be better, but without Draymond Green, what adjustments do you see from the Warriors here, and do you think that they can win this game, and what are you thinking about this game? The main adjustment, more zone defense, and a shit ton of Gary Payton the second. Isn't that the main adjustment they're going to make? Or like, what other options do they have? They're kind of out of moves. So do you think it's Gary Payne that's going to get the start here tonight? Or is it Jordan Poole? In place Poole of I, I don't think Poole can play in this series. Poole's been he's terrible. He's also dealing with an injury, right? Uh, you'd, you'd hope so, because he went one for seven. Yeah. Then again, he's doing the the uh, uh, spirit fingers to try to get Savonis to miss some free throws. <laughs> I said going into the playoffs, their whole playoff run came down to Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. Because defensively, we know he's not good offensively, he's somebody who can create his own shot. Clay, you can argue for as good as he is, doesn't create his own shot. Curry can. But the point is, Golden State, I've said it. Once again, I'll admit that I might have caved before the series like an idiot. I should have stuck with my gut and taken the Kings to... uh, I should have taken the Warriors to lose early. But you're looking at this roster. Wiggins has been surprisingly good. Mm -hmm. Curry's been fine. Clay's been actually solid. And they're still losing. Because nobody besides them can really do anything offensively. And Poole, you were hoping, would be able to somewhat match Monk in terms of bench minutes. That's really the story of the series for me. Like, Monk's been incredible. Poole's done nothing. Has Golden State got any contributions from its bench? Uh, Besides Gary Payton II, who had some moments there. but Has even Chinzo been starting, or has he been coming off the bench? Uh, I, I think it's a mix. Let's see. Just I don't even know DiVincenzo's stats on the top of my head. I think he's been fine just with selective recall. But the point is, Sacramento... He hasn't played a lot of minutes either. Yeah, he hasn't played many minutes. But you're looking at Sacramento's bench, and Monk has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Lyles has even given them good minutes. He was very good in Game 1. They've had guys, even Davion Mitchell, who was really good in Game 2. They've had a couple of guys who can give the starters minutes, and they can also give them some minutes on the bench just for rest purposes, and they can also give you variety. They can give you some depth. Golden State doesn't have that, and I think that's really the story of the series. The Warriors have to rely on Curry and Clay to go nuclear, and if they don't, they're not going to win. 
And now Draymond's yeah. out, who's their best defensive player. So you're assuming Golden State's defense is going to be really, really bad in this game, which is why the total is at 240. I like the Kings in this game. I know the Warriors are very good at home, and I understand mm-hmm. that. And that was the main breakdown. They're awful on the road. They're really good at home. But if you look at Golden State's record without Draymond in the last uh, since 2021, they're below 500. Like yeah. I, I don't think that this team is well constructed. I don't think that they're a good matchup against the Kings. The Kings are actually one of the worst matchups possible for Golden State because they run basically the same system. But Sacramento is yeah. more athletic and they're faster. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to link to Sacramento here. Now, I'm not saying Sacramento is going to officially win the game. But I do think, based on how these teams match up against each other, and with Draymond being the best defensive player on this team by a decent margin, we saw how Golden State defended once Draymond got ejected. Fox got whatever he wanted, and Sacramento mm-hmm. could not miss down the stretch because they got all the penetration they wanted into the lane. I'm going to take the points here. I, I think that you can make an argument that Sacramento, despite being inexperienced, knows with Draymond being out of the lineup, this is their chance to fully kill this team off. And I think they're going to show up accordingly. So I'm going to lean to Sacramento. If Golden State wins, I would parlay it with a Curry 35 piece because they need Curry to go crazy. But I'm going to lean Sacramento plus this points. If Golden State wins, I see a nail biter. We saw the first two games be close. I could see that happening too. I'm going to lean to the points. I think the spread's a little bit high. I think I like Golden State early in this game. Um, just playing with that desperation, I probably would take them in the first quarter. Um, I mean, that first half number we know that we, we talked about it is that teams down, yeah, teams down 0 2 have traditionally been really good uh, in that first half. But I think over the last 30 some odd games, it's right at a 500 record. But Trent Green, um, last game, eight points, four rebounds, five assists, was a minus one, five turnovers, five fouls. I think it's going to, I think we probably see Jonathan Kaminga starting for he the can't guard State Warriors. Um, I think he's going to probably start for athleticism and maybe he could take Kaminga rebounds, but is he yeah. good at defense? No. Like they're against uh, the Sacramento offense that is one of the best offenses in terms of efficiency in the history of the sport. And how many actually just good defensive players do the Warriors have? You have Draymond, who's not playing. You have Gary Payton, the second, who I really like. This is Gary Payton and Wiggins, that's it. Yeah, Wiggins is good. And you have Looney, who's a good paint defender, who's on an island, who's really just out of place in pick-and-roll defense. That's it. And DiVincenzo a little bit. Like, I I don't... I mean, that's four guys, but... You could argue that, though, even with those four, with all the switches and everything, Draymond was the main center, the, I don't know, motherboard of the defense that they run. They have to change everything now. Yeah. On the fly. Like, I, I don't I, I don't like Golden State's defense in this matchup. I, I'm going to lean to the over, but I'm going to lean to the Kings plus the points. I, I just yeah, think I'm, the Kings are a bad matchup. Yeah, I'm going to take the Warriors in the first quarter. I think that they'll come out and play well. They they did it in game one, or sorry, in game two, where they were up 23 to 17. But after that, it just kind of fell apart for them. So they they've been competitive in game one. They, I think they'll come out and play with that desperation, um, being back at home in San Francisco. Um, full game. I think that if you like the Kings to cover the points, you probably just take them on the money line as well because 
I think so far was it 49, 49 and one in the last 50 playoff games. Or it's something like some crazy saying? number that whichever yeah. team has covered the number has also won the game. It's like an incredible stat. I think it's undefeated so far in the playoffs here as well. So if Draymond um, was playing in this game, I would take Golden mm-hmm. State and I'll take Golden State in game four. But for game three, Golden State has to reinvent everything they do defensively with Draymond out of the lineup against one of the best offenses in the league. And I see Tony mentioning that this aligns the same exact thing as it was in the Bucks game. It's a false equivalency because Milwaukee, yeah. from a talent perspective, is much better than Miami. You can make an argument in this series. I don't even know if it's an argument. I think the Kings are the more talented team. Sacramento's a more talented team over Miami as well. Yeah. But the point is, I think that Milwaukee could overcome it. Plus, Hero is out, too. And with you having a lack of overall scoring depth, Miami had a really hard time of really overcoming it. The Kings are the more talented team, and now Golden State's missing its best defensive player. So, yes, the situation was similar in yesterday's action. I don't think there's really any comparison between these two circumstances. Okay. Um, All right. So, we talked about the side. We talked about the total. I'll lean with the over here as well. Um, I, I know it was a really bad game. Yeah, I, I saw. I mean, we saw. I think the bad shooting night in game two, but again, being back in Golden State, or sorry, in San Francisco, um, I think that we do see being points being put up in this game. Player props. What are you looking at? So I got to start off with Fox, which is obvious. But we saw when Draymond was out, Looney was uh, was just. I can't. He was so lost on any of those Fox uh, Fox plays with the pick and roll. He got a free run to the lane every time. He got mm-hmm. to the. He got to some free throw line. He was able to hit a mid range his mid range jumper. Fox could really go for forty tonight, and it wouldn't shock me because I really don't think anybody on Golden State can guard him in pick and roll coverage. I like him in this game. Monk as well. I just think Monk has been phenomenal in the series because Golden State's bench unit, especially, can't guard him. I like Herder under. Herder's been. Just a complete non-factor in the series offensively. And they haven't needed him because Monk's been Mm -hmm. really good and Mitchell's given the minutes. So they don't really need Herter to be that important offensively. And I'm kind of leaning for unders on him. I don't mind Barnes over. I think Barnes looked really good in game two. But as for the Warriors, give me Curry over. Give me Clay over. I I really love Gary Payton over. Maybe for rebounds as well. Kaminga rebounds too. Mm -hmm. But... I, I just think that Golden State's roster is so top-heavy that if you're expecting them to keep it close, you're blindly backing the main superstars to have huge games. Like, I, wouldn't be not, I would not be surprised if we see Curry go off for 40 here tonight. I think I'm going to ladder his points. It's square, but I he think they need to. him. He has to, right? Especially without Draymond Green in the in the lineup. So I will be looking at uh, Curry points, uh, laddering that up. I'm trying to find Andrew Wiggins rebounds or are these blocks and assists? Or sorry, blocks and steals. That's at one and a half at minus one seventy five. That doesn't get me excited. But I'm going to wait for Gary Payton's number when that does drop. I don't see it currently listed as far as steals and blocks. Okay, just one point though. Tony's talking about how good teams make adjustments after the losses. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Did Golden does that imply Golden State didn't make an adjustment after game one? Golden the State same outcome. And they had is an Golden State a good team? I, I I still think they are a good team, but I'm it's, just saying they're they're a sixth seed. Like there's a difference between being a a very good team like Milwaukee or Memphis, who is a top two seed in the in the conference, and you go, okay, like I know that I've seen this team excel for various points of the season. Mm-hmm. Is Golden State actually a good team? Or is it just based on reputation? 
I mean, they, they were the very good champions. Team. I mean, it's they just, were the they, best team in the league, like for a, about a decade. But this yeah. year's iteration, I think I, they're a. I think they're fine. I don't think they're really that good of a team. If I'm being, we have this expectation of the Golden State Warriors of just being this team that oh they, just because the off they, how great the offense is, they have we'll the best shooter. Find a way to get it done. I mean, let's not forget they did win the NBA championship last year. Yes. Like, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I think that we can't forget that. I think a lot of people are forgetting that. But, and that just kind of shows you, Scott, that especially in the NBA, it's very difficult to repeat your success in back to back years. And yeah, I think that's just what true, it is. But once again, but, I feel like when you talk about Golden State being a good team, I feel like a lot of it is based on reputation. Throughout yeah. the entire season, I've been so low on Golden State on the show. And yeah. I believe it took some time. You were right about the Warriors covering that Pelican spread because they went nuts in that fourth quarter that one time. Mm. I think you converted to what I was kind of saying with Golden State. I'm annoyed at myself for caving going into the first round series and leading to them to find a way against Sacramento. Mm -hmm. I just don't think Golden State's a very good basketball team. They have great superstars on the team. Curry's incredible. But the depth, do you like the depth on this team? No. I, I, I that's what I'm saying. They're the just a limited go team. out and get like another superstar. <laughs> They're just a limited team. Um, it just is what it is. Yeah. Anything else for this game? No, I like the over. I just see a bunch of points. All right. Let's get over to the last game. Actually, of one the more night. thing. Maybe, maybe yeah, Looney assists. I'm tempted by Looney assists because they do run a lot of dribble handoffs with him. And with, yeah. with Draymond being out, they probably will run even more dribble handoffs. So, I don't mind a loony assist because he might be the one setting those dribble handoff screens to get Clay and Curry open. All right. All right. Last game of the night. It's going to be the Phoenix Suns. They are in LA to take on the Clippers here. The Suns are a two and a half point road favorite here. Total is uh, right at the same number as been for games one and game two at 226 and a half. Series has even up at one to one. We saw the Phoenix Suns in uh, the second half of game two. Um, you guys kind of figure some things out, especially offensively, where the superstars did shine in that game. Uh, but right now we're seeing the Suns as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite here against the Clippers. Scott, what are you thinking? I'm going to go with the Suns here. I know the people are going to be tempted by the Clippers because they're at home, and they look good in game one and for the first half of game two. I just thought Phoenix figured it out. It seemed to me in that second half they realized, listen, our bench is terrible. We know it's bad. We're just going to play Booker and, and Kevin Durant a combined 90 minutes and just see what happens. Like It's yeah. it's not going to work out long-term in the playoffs because both guys are going to be exhausted and Durant has the injury history. But for the short term in this series, if you're going to play Booker and Durant 45 minutes and the Clippers can't stop either guy, I'm not going to pick the Clippers to win this game because besides Kwai, do you trust anybody offensively on this team, Kawhi are going to assume walks into 30-35. I know a good playoff Kawhi is. You're relying on Eric Gordon, who you had to watch for most of the year. Norman Powell, who's a pretty streaky option. I still love him as a bench player, but he's still very streaky. Westbrook at 27, which I don't think is going to happen again. They can't guard pick and rolls because Zubak and Plumlee have been just disastrous in pick and roll coverage. I, I just think Phoenix, when they acknowledged that they have to use Booker and Durant for basically the entire game. I don't think the Clippers have an answer defensively. So I'm going to go with the Suns. I think that and that's exactly what we talked about, or at least what I said is when we were previewing the series is that after Kawhi Leonard, it's really 
a crapshoot on figuring out who's going to be that next guy to step up. Like game one, Eric Gordon stepped up. Game two, game one, on the stat sheet, it didn't, uh, at least offensively for Russell Westbrook, it didn't stick out, right? He was like three of 19, but defensively, he was very good. Game two, Russell Westbrook stepped up, but it was just too much of Devin Booker, Kevin Durant for the Phoenix, sorry, for the Clippers to handle, where you're right that the depth right now is absolutely atrocious for the uh, Phoenix Suns. I mean, when campaign is able to go, he'll give you, what, 15, 20 minutes. He can provide some type of spark for you. But, and this was really much what it was for the Phoenix Suns, right? It's a lot of Devin Booker. It's a lot of Kevin Durant. Try to beat these two guys. Throw in CP3 in there as well. I need to see more from Aiden, man. He's just, uh, he he. it's cringeworthy sometimes watching him. Um, but you're right. I think that it's like you go out there, let Dev, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker play 38 plus minutes, 40 plus minutes, and tell the Clippers, hey, Carter, come out and beat us. We know Kawhi Leonard is going to get his. I think you automatically have to bet his points prop over every single night. It's two for two for, so far in this series. But this is short favorite here for the Suns. I think Devin Booker has another big game. I think Kevin Durant has another big game. Um, I'm looking for Aiden to do a little more for this Phoenix Suns team. That at that point, I think they'll be unstoppable. But it's just that we know for the Phoenix Suns, it's Kevin Durant, it's Devin Booker, it's Chris Paul. For the Clippers, it's Kawhi Leonard. And then who is it after that? I think that's the main question. So I'm with you. I'm taking the Suns here minus two and a half as well. Total 226 and a half. Uh, Scott, what are you thinking about that? This one's a bit tricky for me. The main adjustment the Clippers need to use, which I'm not sure if they're going to, it's going to sound crazy, but hear me out. I think they have to play Batum at the five. Okay. Or I, I know Covington hasn't played in months, but you wake him up from his hibernation. You maybe give him a couple minutes defensively, but true the Zubak and, and Plumlee are killing them out there. They are just killing them because yeah. you're trying to think of what the Clippers need to do. And yes, I do agree with Darrell. I agree that the Suns bench is bad. We know it's bad. We know that they mm-hmm. pretty much have three guys, two and a half, because you don't know what you're going to get from Chris Paul game in, game out. And Aiton usually gives you what, like 15 and 12? Yeah, and he needs, he like, needs, that's he, fine. He needs to be in that 20-point range for He me, does, but, but for the sake yeah. of this, let's say 15 and 12, okay? Sure. The point is, when you're looking at what the Clippers are going to do defensively, you know the Suns are going to spam pick and rolls every possession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What exactly is Zubak giving you? And yes, because we just said that Aiton is soft and Aiton's probably giving you 15, Aiton, like what we said about Towns before, doesn't do a good enough job of using his strength and size to exploit matchups. And we saw Dallas last year go small. They basically played Aiton off the floor by trying to get five three-point shooters on the court and by trying to really just dare Aiton to do anything in the post. I think that's the main adjustment the Clippers have to make. I think they have to stop playing Zubak and Plumlee. And I'm not saying Batum's a great player, but I think that as a center who can stretch the floor, maybe you give Man some minutes. I said Covington if you're being really desperate. yeah. The real adjustment I think they have to have is to try to copy exactly what Dallas did last year and say, listen, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes and we're going to dare Aiton to exploit a matchup, but we have to be able – to switch every pick and roll defensively without getting killed. That's the main adjustment. I don't think he makes it in game three. I'm going with Phoenix. We also saw that the Phoenix Suns started doubling Kawhi Leonard. I believe it was in the second they half. And, and yeah, and they may sort of try to make somebody else beat you. Um, so I think we'll see more of that um, in game three as well. But 
We'll see what the adjustments Tyloo does make, if there are any. I know it's tied up one-to-one. We'll also want to see what Monty Williams does different, but I don't think there's much that you can do different for this Phoenix Suns team. Do you agree with me, though, about the adjustment? Because from what you've seen in the series, Zubak and Plumlee have been just a complete net negative, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Turnovers are always concerned with those two as well, right? But then if you take those guys off the floor, do you leave Aiden in there and just feed Aiden down below in the paint and let him go to work? My point with the Clippers, though, is that if you're going to, you have to give up something. They have Booker and they have Durant. You have to give up something. If I told you going into a game, you'll lose, but Aiden has to go for 20. Would you take that gamble? Probably. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, you're going to dare him to be aggressive and to take more yeah. shots. Yeah. Once again, Booker showed last game the Clippers can't guard him. He's going to go for 40. Yeah. And Durant, we're still waiting to go for a 35-point game because you know Durant at some point is going to go for 40. At some mm. point, it's going to happen. Yeah. So if you're trying to think of what you're willing to give up, you'd rather attempt to give up any size whatsoever just to try to somewhat bottle a Booker and Durant, and you'll live with the consequences with Aiden. The yep. main adjustment for me that Tyloo has to do, they have to play smaller, and I don't think they're going to do that yet. At some point, if they're down 2-1, 3-1, maybe. But for the sake of the immediate adjustments and what I think the Clippers are going to do in this game, I think they're going to play Zubak, I think they're going to play Plumlee, and I think they're going to get their asses kicked in the in with that matchup in particular, in my opinion. So I'm going to lean Phoenix. Give me a Durant 35-point game. Uh, so player props, you like Kevin Durant overs, Devin Booker overs. Can I, think I not Kawhi, take for overs? They're going to play 45 minutes. Yeah, Kawhi overs. Anybody else that you're looking at? For Kawhi, Westbrook? I'm, kinda, I'm contemplating Kawhi assists. Okay. The points we know where he's going to get his anyway. But I do think from what we saw in game two, and which really helped them out, Kawhi, yes, you could have a game where everyone gets hot from three. That happens. Mm. But we know Kawhi is pretty much a walking 30-piece in just the playoff basketball, Yeah, you're going to have to try to force the ball out of his hands. Like, if Westbrook goes for 27 again, you'll live with it. But I yeah. like Kawhi assists because the Suns' game plan has to be, we'll let anybody else beat us besides Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and that's where so we like saw, Kawhi like, assists. yeah, they started double-teaming him. I think it was the uh, second half of the game uh, in game two. Uh, he has but Tony. I can agree with T- Tony says if Paul George was healthy, the Clippers would be up two nothing. That I might be able to agree with, but he's yeah. not. So since he's not, you got to just double team Kawhi and you'll dare Eric Gordon and Westbrook to combine for forty points. He had seven assists last game. Did Kawhi Leonard tonight? That number is four and a half. I gotta like the over there. I think he had four in like the first quarter last game, or four. Yeah, in the he first had five. Yeah, he had five in game one. He did play in that game against the Phoenix Suns in the last game of the regular season where nobody played for the Phoenix Suns, but he still had six assists in that game as well. So you're trying to think of adjustments both teams are going to make. Defensively, the Suns will probably dare the supporting cast, which is streaky for the Clippers, to make shots. And I don't think they're going to. So that's why I'm going to lead the Phoenix. Agree with Eric Gordon. Uh, I took his threes over. He's knocked. I mean, he's getting the volume, but he's he's able to knock them down as well. Especially does he ever shoot non three pointers? No, that's why you got to love it. Uh, Two and a half, I think, was at. I want to say it was plus one ten, if I'm not mistaken. That number may have moved. Um, But uh, yeah, I'll try to look that up here. Give me a second. NK is mentioning Craig. I take his over two. He was good in game two. I mean, the entire mm-hmm. Phoenix team scored double digits. So Craig, I don't mind. He's an energy guy. He might get you an offensive rebound put back or maybe get to the line on occasion. So I don't mind that. Eight and a half. One, once again, the Suns are punting their bench. 
but Greg, but Craig has officially become just a steady starting five guy. So Akogi's been the one that's been left out for the yeah. most part. So I, I got to lean with Craig over just based on the minutes. Torrey Craig, one and a half, three point shots, minus 120. Eric Gordon still at plus 110 as far as over two and a half threes. Uh, anything else for this game, Scott, before we get to our lock and dog? Not really. I'm trying to think of what else I want to go with. Westbrook, I, I don't want nothing to do with his props because you never know what you're going to get. The volume will be there. So if you want to lean to the over in points, at least he got a volume argument. Yeah. But if you went three for 15 again, nobody would be shocked. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing, that if you play Westbrook, it has to be over on his points because, again, he is getting the volume, right? Like first game one, he had 19, three point, sorry, 19 shot attempts. Game two, 16, he made nine of those, at least for himself, got to the free throw line eight times as well. So um, if you are going to play Russell Westbrook, you got to look at the over. All right, Scott, let's close out this episode strong. Let's close it out with our lock and dog for tonight. I'll let you lead it off here. What's your lock and dog? All right, so for my lock, I'm just going to go with what I think is going to happen. I'm just going to go with the Sixers to cover. I don't think the Nets are a good basketball team. Uh, they're, they try, but at the end of the day, they can't score. And if the supporting cast wakes up and goes nuts from three, I'll live with it. But mm-hmm. Philly's a much better team. Embiid at some point, maybe with Claxton potentially playing less, you might see Embiid go for 35. Maybe that's the trade-off. But Embiid's going to have a massive game at some point. Harden's not going to be this bad like he was in game two. I'm still low on Harden. I think Philly's going to get killed in the second round. But for the sake of this matchup, Maxi's very good, and the Nets can't guard him. Embiid's very good, the Nets can't guard him. Harden can give you maybe a 15-point game, which you can live with. Even the bench unit, though. Paul Reed has been really good for this team. The Nets can't really stop anybody with the Sixers' depth. Tobias Harris has had some moments. Uh, even Melton, we know, can hit a shot on occasion. Shake Milton. Give me the Sixers minus four and a half. The Nets might end up leading at halftime, but I've been in that arena when they were on the verge of getting swept against Boston last year. The home crowd, not great. I'm just going to be honest. Not one of the better home crowds uh, in the NBA. I think Philly wins this game comfortably. And the Nets, if they get down, do I think they're capable of emotionally responding and making it an actual war or a close game late? I don't think so. I think if Philly goes up 10-15, yes, I know Doc Rivers' fourth quarter, maybe something weird happens. But Mm. I think if the Nets go down early, they're going to roll over, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, And your dog. So for my dog, oh, boy. I'm torn between either an alt line or player prop or maybe even Kings money line if I really just want to double down on it. But I think the I think the Warriors at home though they find ways to win games. I, I just am a little bit concerned about them winning by margin. So I don't think I'm going to take the Kings on the money line here, but I am trying to look for a player prop. Uh, you mind going just as I pull something up? Yeah. So for my lock, it's in the same game. I'm going to go Warriors first quarter. I think they come out and play desperation basketball. Um, they are down 0-2. If you, again, in the first two quarters, at least of this, at least in game two, they were up 23 to 17. So it's not like it's progressively. They've gotten worse during the game, at least from, you know, game from game two, like they were at up six at the end of the first quarter in game two. And, and, you know, just Kings kind of made their adjustments. They figured it out, but now being at home where again, they've been a, a significantly better team, uh, defensively as well. I know they don't have Draymond Green, so we'll probably see either if it's Gary Payne the second or Jonathan Kaminga being in the starting lineup for the Golden State Warriors, at least for one quarter for 12 minutes coming out of the gates. I think that Warriors make those adjustments 
behind the crowd. You know the crowd's going to be ruckus. They always are in, in Chase Center there. So at least in the first quarter, I think the Warriors can be up by more than three points. So I'll take Warriors minus three in the first quarter. And if the Golden State Warriors are going to win this game here, Scott, I'm going to go with Steph Curry. I'm going to be square. 35-plus points. I see him right now as plus 195. I could see a realm of possibility where this guy goes for 40 plus here tonight so 35 plus for steph curry's at plus 195 40 plus if you want to ladder it up is at uh plus two sorry plus 475 for curry to score 40 or more here tonight so those are going to be my two picks all right so unfortunately i went zero two yesterday on the same game but i'm going to try to go with the same game again we talked about it a lot I'm going to go with a Nick Claxton alternative points line. Okay. Give me the under six and a half at plus 198. Okay. Six and a half. I think he's not going to play many minutes. He took nope. two shots last game. They're, he's it's just not a good series for him. Yeah. I think that you can take seven and a half at plus 130 if you want to play it safe. But give me six and a half. Are we sure Claxton's even going to attempt four shots to go over? No. No. So I'm going to go with Claxton under six and a half points at plus 198. I think that's a bargain. Yeah, I like it. Definitely like it. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, Three more games tonight in the association for the playoffs. Um, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here, bud? No, as a Nets fan, I, in a way, hope they win a game, but I'm skeptical. Uh, As an Islanders fan, I'm already miserable because they lost in (laughs) overtime last night. I want one of my teams to win a playoff game, and I don't think it's going to happen. But for the sake of the playoffs, I'll be watching the Kings-Warriors game. That's the main game I'm interested in. Do want to mention something briefly, though. The NBA should be embarrassed for the schedule tonight. Yes, I was going to mention that as well. So there you go. That's my main uh, point I wanted to close off on. That's why you have to have multiple TVs uh, for nights like tonight where you have – the Warriors and the uh, Clippers. Um, you really can put the Warriors at like nine o'clock Eastern time. You, you can't move it up maybe an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, all right. Uh, Scott and Terrell will be back tomorrow for the Friday games, and they will probably more than likely be back Friday evening at some point or early evening to handicap the games for Saturday because they are early starts. So look out for us then. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel for the NBA pod. Make sure to follow us on Twitter as well at SGPNNBA. Follow Scott uh, on Twitter at Rice Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. We'll be back maybe within about 10 minutes to do the prop cast with my guy, Chris. We'll talk about some player props here for tonight. So look out for that. Um, so till then, good luck with your bets here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Basketball, give me, give me, give me.